Imagine right now the Lord appears to you and asks, why should I allow you into heaven? What would you say? Well, let's talk about it on this podcast entitled C28. Well, welcome to another podcast from C28. In this episode, we're going to talk about, ask questions, and talk about soteriology. CJ, what is soteriology? It's the study of how someone is saved. Wow. <laughs> was That's that, a big question. Was that too succinct? <laughs> That's good. The smarter you are, <laughs> the less words you can use to say what you're trying to say. Oh. Didn't somebody say that? Yeah. And you're smart. Somebody said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're so smart. You're quoting people. <laughs> hey, last time we opened up with a um, an illustration, right, about a mechanic shop. You got another one? No. But I would just like to know how it's going with your car <laughs> and this mechanic <laughs> you shop. You dirtbag. <laughs> well, I, I dro- dropped it back off uh, yesterday. Oh my gosh. How long did you have it back for? And how did that go? I had it back for like four days and the check engine like came back on. No, it's not going well. Yeah. I, uh, I need to sell it because we have replaced that car and we don't have a ton of money. So part of the reason we get rid of that is because we're, <laughs> we need the money to, you know, even yeah. things out again. And then I'm supposed to pay for like $3,000 worth of cement next week. If all wow. goes well. Wow. So you have this car with this inherent internal problem. Okay, here's the illustration. That, that you cannot seem to fix on your own and you have to take it to someone else to fix for you. Exactly. Oh, wow. Well, I'm just glad we got that little story in there at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but he promises he's going to fix it this time. Oh, man. You know who always keeps their promises? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so, sometimes, in, sometimes there's mechanics that in their humanness, try to fix things. Mm. And sometimes uh, they can get close, but really in the end, it just always fails. You need It's like you need one perfect ultimate mechanic <laughs> to mediate between you and, oh, it's falling apart now. <laughs> the engine swap of your heart. Okay. Right? That's what we're going <laughs> Hopefully we have car people listening now. Otherwise they're like, we're shutting this off. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, we've been told that the intro sounds like a Dodge truck commercial starting. So it's one of my favorite parts. It's appropriate. Yeah, I like it. I wouldn't change a thing. (laughs) Okay. So we're talking about how someone can be saved, right? How they can know they're saved. Um, This concept of soteriology for the big fancy theological word. Yeah. I would say if there is no salvation in any religion, any God, any Christianity, um, what is the point? Right. Yeah. And so... Christianity teaches, the Bible teaches, that there is salvation. There is a way to be made right with the one true God. And if there is only one way, Mm -hmm. what is that way? And then also, I think one of the biggest 15 years of ministry in the church, one of the questions I get a lot from new Christians to, you know, 70-year-old Christians um, is... This, I, this issue of assurance of salvation. Yeah. How do I know I'm saved? Yeah. And I would argue that Christianity is the only uh, worldview or religion that offers that real assurance. So we look at other things like progressive Christianity, which is basically boils down to um, universalism, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is saved. You just need to let them know that they're saved so that they can start living like they're saved. But how do we know we're saved? Well, we don't know because we don't like doctrine and theology. Right. So we can't really answer that. How do we know? Um, Or you look at Mormonism and it's extremely based on works, right? You work really hard and whatever gap is left over, you just burn your mouth on your coffee. (laughs) That that, that coffee is piping hot. (laughs) Brian's crying right now. (laughs) Wow. I won't taste my food for the rest of the day. (laughs) Sorry. You look at, you look at religions like Mormonism, very works based. Um, which would be absolutely exhausting and crushing because if you have to work your way to heaven, then you're not going to get to heaven, Mm -hmm. right? And it's completely dependent on you to try and hang on to. And you also see that in some branches that try to fall under the name Christianity, like these 
like some hyper fundamentalist Pentecostal denominations with the, you know, focus heavily on the good works. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be dangerous. So my point is like, I think Christianity, true historic Orthodox Christianity is really the only place you're going to find true assurance of salvation. I agree. Cool. So we did, we, this, this conversation is so huge Right, and we tried to stay around forty-five minutes. I know the last couple we haven't really done that, but we started out <laughs> this saying pod, twenty. Right? Yeah, this <laughs> podcast started. We're gonna do these twenty-minute episodes. Yeah, no, we we've, no. we've abandoned that. There, but forty-five minutes is what we kind of are shooting for now. And you know, this I there's so many good questions that come out of soteriology. This this conversation um, from uh, saved from what? Why do we need to be saved from that thing? Right? How are we saved? By that thing how do we know we are saved through that process what is that process um, is there choice involved is there not choice involved right all those things come in there and there's no way we could do it so our goal in this first season is the is the touch on these topics on a very fundamental basic level and be very clear right that's what we've been doing this season is right when we talk about who is god very fundamental basic and be very clear we want people to tune in and be able to know um, you know, the very fundamental truths about these topics. So let's jump into this. We did agree that you would start off on this one based on just what you had said that, um, your, your, the way you're going to lean in this episode, I, I, I just thought that it'd be better if you started off. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. So go ahead. Okay. So I think before we talk about how someone is saved, it's important to talk about why someone needs to be saved mm-hmm. and what they need to be saved from. So this is just a rough sketch from scripture just to point out, like you said, a few key passages, keep things simple. Um, Genesis three, we see what's called the fall, Mm -hmm. right? Adam and Eve were given very specific instructions not to do a very specific thing. Um, They were tempted by Satan as in the form of a serpent. They gave into the temptation. They sinned, right? And in them, all of humankind sinned because they were the representatives for humanity. So since then, so you're saying by, so that, Oh, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, so that's kind of, is that where we're coming from? Sin nature? Yeah. Sin nature. Comes exactly. From, okay. Yep. Yeah. There's a couple different ways that people are sinful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them would be uh, you sin by doing the things you shouldn't or not doing the things that you should. Mm-hmm. Another way that you're sinful. And that would be sinning by choice. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. By omission or commission. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another way would be that we sin because it's who we are apart from Christ, right? We are born in sin, um, which takes me to the first passage I wrote down was Psalm 51.5. It says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So from the time that he was a baby, right? David's talking about being sinful, and his mom was sinful, and he was brought forth in that sin. Mm-hmm. There's no escaping it. It's part of our nature. Um, Mark 7.20-23 says, and this is Jesus speaking, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person, right? And so it's easy to say, like, oh, the the sin problem's out there, right? It's apart from me. It's outside of me. But Jesus is really clear that our sin problem is within us, right? Um, John, so just to, just to, go ahead, um, summarize this part. Yeah. This would be when people are talking about, are we born with sin or not? Do we have a sin nature or not? Yeah. Um, we would say that the Bible teaches that there is sin in us from the time we are born. So we would, we, we believe that you are born with a sin nature as well. And that is a debated point. And so um, the verses you quoted are great scripture in support of that doctrine of sin, um, the sin nature. And then uh, the other the other side of it is what, what you said, that there is the sin of action too, where yeah. like we have committed a sin of omission or Yeah, well, I mean, in, in Mark, Jesus says, like, it's what's inside you that defiles you. And then he lists all these things that we do mm-hmm. because of that thing mm-hmm. that's inside of us. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there are two things that are tied together. Our okay. sin nature manifests itself in our sinful actions. Are you saying that there is nobody without sin? There's not, not even one, not even one. Wow. Yeah. And honestly, this is really contrary to 
a lot of popular ideology and like Marxism, which says that there's no um, no responsibility or real guilt in the individual. There's only real guilt and responsibility in society. Christianity is completely antithetical to that. Like it is saying that there is real guilt in each individual person that must be dealt with, right? In the in the cosmic economy of God when it comes to sin and righteousness. Um, and then John eight thirty four, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So you are born in sin, you have a sin nature, you commit sin, and you're a slave to sin. Mm-hmm. You are enslaved to it. In fact, Romans chapter 3 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So are we believing that there is no one who is good apart from Christ? Absolutely. So good people without Christ can't be saved? Well, so check this out. What what we're kind of dancing around is this, what's called the doctrine of total depravity. Mm. Okay. Um, total depravity is not the idea that all humans are absolutely as evil and sinful as they possibly could be. Total depravity means that every part of us has something mm-hmm. of sin, right? It has mm-hmm. some aspect of, of sin in it that every part of us has been tainted by sin to some degree. Um, it's not that we are as sinful as we possibly could be. So God in his common grace common restrains grace. sin, right? Restrains sin so that the world is inhabitable. If everyone was absolutely as evil as they possibly could be, the whole world would just implode on itself. So God in his common grace mm-hmm. restrains sin so that society can continue. Um, and I think it's important, like, like what, what we're talking about, as far as like even C28, right? Colossians yeah. 2.8, do not be taken captive by the idea that good people that do good things are saved because apart from Christ, no one does good, right? So then that would mean that everybody needs to be saved if we're all sinners and nobody can do good, right? Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got a lot more to do. <laughs> so, so people can be really sincere in their good actions, right? But you can be sincerely mistaken. You can be sincerely mm-hmm. wrong. And that's the problem. That's something that we're going to have to deal with. Oh, there it is. Hold it on. Yeah. It picked up on the our, microphone. Our gate wasn't there picking up. <laughs> yep. There it is. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, spiritual depravity, total depravity means that every part of us is affected. An illustration that I read was that every drop of the ocean has some salt in it, Mm. right? Just like every piece of a person has some sin in it. Um, And that was helpful. That doesn't mean it's entirely salt, right? What would you say the effect of sin in our life is in relation to the creator, one true God? Oh, okay. So I actually have a quote that's perfect for that that I wrote down. <laughs> it's like I snuck yeah. a peek at your notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. Did you really not? Or <laughs> no, did I did you? It. Don't no, lie to me. You, the can't, Holy Spirit you can't lie in the podcast. I'm not. Okay. I would never. <laughs> okay. Um, so Joel Beakey in his Systematic Theology, which I would highly recommend, right? The volumes are still coming out. It's supposed to be four total. And I think two are out at the moment. Probably my favorite Systematic Theology out of the ones that I've explored so far. Um, he says this. A wound to the soul might affect only part of its faculties, but the spiritual death of the soul entirely disables its very function in regard to God. Mm. Right? Spiritual death um, debilitates it, disables it. It cannot function in any capacity in the way that it should to the glory of God. So then say, and we've already touched on this, but just in light of that, so then say, what do we do with then these people that, sacrifice a huge part of their income or their time to go help rebuild people's houses after earthquakes in third world countries. What, what is that called then? Is there a phrase? (laughs) So I'm not sure exactly what you're getting at. I'm just saying maybe that's part of like the common grace of God. Oh, gotcha. So that could be common grace for the people receiving the good things. Um, Augustine would say that those are called splendid sins. Hmm where they're these wonderful things, but at their root are still sinful. Because, and how are they sinful? Because Tell they us. deny God the glory that is yeah. due to him in the action. Yeah. So when you go and build wells apart from God and not for his glory, you are robbing him of the glory that is due to him. 
right? You make it about yourself. You make it about your brand or your uh, humanitarian efforts. And one way or another, the glory is not making it back to God the way that it is intended to and that it should, right? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That right. means your purpose in life. Westminster confession. There, there we go. I know. I know it's not the bad. Isaiah 43, confession. right? Isaiah 43 says, bring all who claim me as their God for I have made them for my glory. I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. And so you're saying that in those situations, God has denied the glory that he should get for when man is doing good. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So, then, so then even the good things can be sins because we're robbing the glory from God. If we're created, if we are his creation, then to bring him glory. And then we do something that even would be considered good, but is denied him the glory that there is sin in depriving God of the glory he deserves. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, and just really quick. So Ephesians two, um, starting in verse one says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, like mm. the rest of mankind, we are by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Uh, another quote from Joel Beakey, he says, spiritual death is worse than the absence of life. It is the presence of decay and disgusting defilement, the spiritual equivalent of a rotting corpse. So you're not just neutrally dead in your sins, but you're decaying, you're rotting, it's gross, it's bad. Mm -hmm. and, and that's only true in light of one true God creator and sustainer, right? Yeah. Because... Um, there are plenty of people who do horrible things that for one reason or another, we begin to champion them. Yeah. And we don't need to go into specifics, but there's, you know, high profile people that have done horrible things, but then we vote and sing their praises. Yep. And so there is a different standard by which sinners live within because the standard is far lower than what God that, that we have than what God has for us. And that is part of, I think, the issue when you're not meditating in the word, you begin to lose your identity in Christ, who God is and who you are in that line of creator and creation becomes blurred. Yeah, exactly. And we'll say to ourselves, well, as long as I'm not as bad as that person, mm. then I've met some kind of standard for heaven, right? Yeah. As long as I'm grading myself on the curb, I look pretty good. Yeah. Right. And is that the standard to get into heaven, Brian? No, no, I think there's one way. Yeah. So I think we've talked about like, what sin is, um, that we're born into sin, that we commit sins continually um, because of our sinful nature. So we know what we need to be saved from. Okay, so we're at the point now where everybody listening and anybody, everybody who ever will listen to this is a sinner. Right, all 35 of them. Okay, so then what's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's, uh, that hurts my heart a little bit when you say that. Hey, uh, take feelings. a second and share this podcast with someone right now. <laughs> yeah, I think in to totality, though, um, just a side side note, I think we have probably about, what do we determine, about 150 people that listen to this every week Yeah, or so. So not a lot. Between the different platforms. Not a little bit. We would love to see thousands of people listening to this stuff each week. Um, not for the sake of our, I mean, we don't get paid per listen or anything like that. We're, we just really <laughs> desire this stuff to permeate our culture, to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and if there's interactions you can leave in the comments below or likes or shares or any of that stuff, that's good. In fact, now that we're in the middle of this, uh, we, <laughs> Let's do, do it. <laughs> we do have a, a Patreon account that we had started, which allows for people to be basically monthly subscribers. And the model is essentially this, that the default amount to give per month is set at $5 um, by patron. And the idea is that um, that you basically you give up one coffee a month to support whatever content you are devouring. And so uh, <laughs> and I, what, what we ask is this, that if you can spare $5, because we know some people aren't spending any money on coffee, right? Things are so tight. Uh, this is not for you. You just keep listening, enjoying, growing, and benefiting from this. But if you are like CJ and I, who we both had to put our money where our mouth is, and um, but if you do have room to support this, even if it's $5 a month, 
that's tremendously helpful. If we had a hundred people helping out $5 a month and just give that, that coffee, um, we would be able to make some, some of the changes, uh, we wanted to do here make this a, a little bit better and and there are ways that we can make it so we think we can sneak out instead of doing once every two weeks or once every two and a half weeks that we can start doing once a week um and yeah. th- that none of that money zero of it is going to go to any like pain of cj and i it all just goes to materials to make this thing happen so yeah. if you want to be a part of that go ahead if not totally understand don't worry about it uh, just keep enjoying and benefiting from it and that five dollars would come out of your Starbucks budget, not out of your giving to a local church. That is a good point. We want to make that yeah. very clear. And I did forget that, that, um, don't take away from any of your tither giving from a local church that you're a part of for this. Um, we right. would, we would, that's the opposite of, of what we would want. Uh, keep giving there. That's your primary responsibility there. Um, this would just be the above and beyond. You're like, Hey, I listen to these guys a couple times a month, you know, I'll forego, um, a coffee a month or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm you know, give $5 a month to these guys. And we actually have a patron. Don't we have one for that's giving $2 a month? Is it two or I three? I think it's three. $3 a month? $3 a month. Yeah. There that's you like go. one scone at the coffee truck. There you go. Yeah. yeah. The coffee truck. <laughs> yeah. Even $3 would, you know, anything helps. We just uh, wanted to keep some of this stuff going and we we're running out of our own money to <laughs> buy stuff <laughs> for this uh, podcast. So, all right, moving right along. So we're at a point where everybody's a sinner. Yep. Everybody's uh we would say in Romans falls short of the glory of God. Um, sin uh, is a term used uh, in archery um, as well as other things where there's a target and there are things being thrown at a target or fired at a target. And when you miss the mark, it's called a sin. So that terminology was then taken on to represent how Christians miss the mark that God has set for his people. And so whenever we miss the mark, which would be perfection, that is a sin. So the reality is that we live in a reality where missing perfection causes us to fall short of the glory of God, which is actually why we were created to glorify God. So when we miss that mark, it's a sin. And we've already came to the conclusion that not only are we all part of sin nature, we have all sin. So now we're all sinners, every single one of us talking or listening or watching this. And so what happens to our relationship with the Savior, with the Lord, when sin is a part of man? Are you asking me? I was, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I did not I I figured my role is to ask the good questions. (laughs) (laughs) So when man is sinful, how does that affect his relationship with God? Mm -hmm. So it's separation, right? It's, um, It's a disconnect, a break. Um, there's partitions put up. We can look back to the tabernacle in the old Testament um, and see that there's inner rooms. We can look to the temple once it's established and see that there's the outermost courts, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. as you progressively get closer to the room, that's called the Holy of Holies. um, There's more and more and more and more restrictions until the only person that can enter that room at certain times under certain circumstances is the high priest. And even then sometimes he had, some kind of issue where he would end up dying in the presence of God because he had sin that he had not dealt with, uh, with God. So really it comes down to this separation. Like we look back to the garden, um, and it says that God used to walk with them in the garden, right? Talk with them in the garden. Mm -hmm. They had this perfect relationship with God. And then as soon as they sinned, I think it's the very first thing we see them doing is they start sewing together leaves to cover themselves, right? Mm -hmm. To make clothing, because they felt shame for the first time. And then they're trying to hide themselves. God comes to the garden, and this is after they've sinned. He says, hey, where are you guys? And uh, they're, they're hiding from him, right? So it creates this problem in the relationship between man and God. Perfect. So if there's that separation, right? And on earth, we see uh, the instructions of the tabernacle and later the temple, and we cannot be in the presence of God with sin. Um, in the Old Testament, what we see is, are sacrifices for sin, and all pointing towards an ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. Um, because animals and humans interacting in the sacrificial system, it will always fall short and has to be done over and over and over again. Um, and the sacrifice is made over and over. There were there were times of the year 
where the the streets would flow with the blood of the sacrifices because there's so much sacrificing going on for sin. So then if that separation, we see that illustrated here on earth in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Um, So the reality would be then that because we are not perfect, we are not right, we are not in right relationship with the Lord, then we do not deserve to spend eternity with him. In fact, the Bible mentions hell 167 times. So somebody who says the Bible doesn't talk about hell, uh, that is not true. If somebody says the Old Testament doesn't talk about hell, you have not read the Bible. Right. If somebody says the New Testament does not talk about hell, uh, that is not correct. If somebody says that Jesus did not talk about hell, that is incorrect. Actually, in the New Testament, Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else. Yep. So hell is very real, and it is a place for those who rebelled against God and sinned. Right. So that would be... Now, every listener and every speaker in this podcast is is in this place where we deserve hell because we don't deserve eternity with the Lord, right? We don't we don't deserve eternity with God, whether here on earth mm-hmm. or in heaven. Even yeah. when God did choose to dwell among his people in a certain place, there were all these partitions put up separating us because we would die in his presence. And so... Now we see that same thing in, in the eternal state that the same principle applies. So then we deserve hell. Yeah. And yeah, John, I mean, Jesus says in John three to Nicodemus that unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of heaven, Yeah, let alone be part of it. Mm-hmm. You cannot even see it. You'll have no concept of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a huge separation. Okay. So now we're in a position, say at this point, uh, there is no intervention from Genesis on mm-hmm. of God redeeming his people. Uh, there is no hope because you started mentioning uh, Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go down to uh, verse eight for by grace, you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In fact, the Bible says that your very best works on your best day are like filthy rags presented as some you know, offering or payment to, um, to heal or overcome whatever kind of sins you have committed. And, and the Lord calls those things filthy rags. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be able to save ourselves, right? The whole Old Testament, you... You want to try to save yourself? Here's the law. Right. They fail, 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 fail. Right. The the streets flow with the blood from sacrifices yeah. um, for sin. And it falls short in the sense that it has to happen over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And so then we're all in this place now where it's like, wow, so we cannot earn our way to heaven, yet we're all sinners, so we all deserve hell. And that brings us to the point, and this is very important, where every human being that has ever lived is living and ever will live needs a savior. Yep. Somebody to come and save them because they can't save themselves. They can't pay it. They can't earn it. They can't get it. Unless there's a redemption plan set forth by the creator that says this is the way to become come back into right standing. Because we are not righteous. Right. We are not in right standing. Mm-hmm. So then how do we get to that point where we're able to have right standing with the Father? Yeah. That's a good question. That is, okay. I keep missing those cues. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> T- I'm just like off. listening to what you're saying. I'm like, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I agree. And I'm like, good. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we're all in this need of a safe. So we know what sin is. Right. We're all sinful. Yep. Okay. So we've been separated from the, the father. Uh, we can't be in the Lord's pre- presence. We know that after we die, there's eternity. There's heaven and there's hell. Yeah. And very real. Talked about all over in scripture. Um, there's no mistaking, there's no argument about it, that there is heaven and hell. And so then we panic because we realize I can't save it. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I right. can't get there myself. Right. And so then what does the Bible teach as far as how then can we get back into right standing with the God of creation so that we can be saved from the eternal torments of hell? Yeah, Jesus says in one of the early chapters of John that unless you believe in me, you stand condemned already. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's this idea of belief in Him, mm-hmm. and what would that be for? So Jesus is coming as this mediator between God and man. We talked about the separation, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, and that we have this bridge that we can't cross. We have this wall that we can't climb over. We have this divide uh, that we can't uh, bridge. And Jesus comes as God, as man, um, to to mend that, to be the mediator between the two. So when he says, unless you believe in me, he's asking us to believe in him for the forgiveness of our sins to bridge that gap between us and God, right? So we're, he's talking in John, he's saying this before he hangs on the cross, but really he's pointing towards that, mm-hmm. what will be accomplished, that he lives a perfect life um, as a man, right? Because a man has to make the sacrifice for man's sins. All those sacrifices of animals in the Old Testament, they didn't actually pay for sins, right? They're, like you said, they were pointing towards the ultimate fulfillment um, of, of the law. So Jesus comes and he lives this perfect life as God and man. He keeps the law perfectly, proving that he has perfect righteousness. He's perfectly obedient to God um, the devil takes him out into the wilderness and tempts him. And he doesn't give in to any of that. Again, that's a victory uh, for us, right? That he is the righteous one that he claims to be. And then that is the spotless lamb, the sacrifice that is foreshadowed in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. Um, he, he calls himself the lamb of God and he hangs on the cross and he dies. And that is the final sacrifice necessary. Like if you go to Hebrews, it says that he's seated at the right hand of the father, now, right? He's, he's called the high priest, the one who would have been doing the sacrifices, but he's no longer sacrificing because his sacrifice was sufficient for the sins of all of humanity. And what blows my mind thinking about this is that each person's sins justly damn them to an eternity in hell, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe someone smarter than me can correct me if I'm wrong here, but each person's sins damn them to an eternity in hell. And that's, that's just. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he exhausted eternity times however many people would ever place their faith in him. Mm-hmm. That is insane. Yeah. He didn't exhaust. I mean, and I don't know if you can add eternity to eternity, right? That's, it gets kind of down a rabbit hole. But to think about, like, he exhausted an infinity amount of sins or an eternal amount of punishment millions and millions and billions of times just in the time that he hung on the cross and was in the tomb. That is mind-blowing, right? He paid an infinite amount of debt for each person that would place their faith in him, trusting that he could be the mediator between them and God. Mm -hmm. In Hebrews, uh, So we take this Old Testament system, right, where there's a high priest making sacrifices for people, mediating between man and God imperfectly, though, and he fulfills that completely, being the ultimate, permanent, forever, once and for all mediator between us and God. And yet he is fully man and fully God. And the fully God part means that that is how we have that intimate relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ and being filled with the Spirit. In Romans 6.23... For the wages of sin is death, which we talked about, separation and death. Like we will actually die and then also separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What did Christ Jesus, our Lord, do in order to uh, pay for sins? He died on the cross for sins. So that is the redemption plan that Jesus, part of the Trinity, God and man would come then and God's going to come and he's going to pay the price for sins. I've used this illustration before. It's not that there's a tally mark on a whiteboard and that God is like, I'm kind of tired of the sin thing. I'm just going to erase everything. He's a just God, which means that like there is a debt that must be paid and he goes and he pays it. Mm -hmm. That is a loving God. And the reason, so it says, why would God send his son into the world, right? And his son part of the Trinity, God himself also. So why would God come to earth in the form of man then and save us because of his great love? Yeah. Like he, he loved so, so tremendously in a way that transcends our understanding. We'll never comprehend the God creator and sustainer of the universe. One true God that while we were still sinners, he came to save us. 
Yeah. That is a loving and patient and gracious uh, God. And it's not because he, he loved the potential that he saw in you, right? It's not because he just believed in who you could be yeah. or anything like that. It's like completely unmerited favor and love for the sinners as they were, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's crazy. Think about like Romans talks about that while we were enemies of God, he didn't die for his friends. He died for the people that were hanging him on the cross, yeah, right? And throwing rocks at him and whipping him. And those are the people that he died for. So that they could have the opportunity to receive some sort of gift, right? Some sort of redemption. Second uh, Corinthians 5 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin. So that's Jesus had no sin to be sin. He's already determined. None of us can be the one without sin. So it's Jesus. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus Christ is the one that creates the ability for men and women to become, to come into right standing with the Lord. Yeah. And I mean, in, in, in Ephesians, he says faith is a gift, yep. right? It's not your working so that yep. no one may boast. He says, not a result of works. Um, well, hold on, let me back up. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Let me quote another verse, 1 Peter 2.24. He, <laughs> he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that'd be the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. And Isaiah 53 talks about the substitutionary atonement. All of those verses, like the last five we just quoted, all talks about that Jesus in our place. Yep. So what we deserve, Jesus took on. What we couldn't pay, Jesus paid. Right. And so then that comes down to uh, the Ephesians 2.8. Again, let's go there. For you have been saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. for by grace you have been saved. So yeah. it is by the power of grace, the grace of God that we have been saved. Right. And it's not actually, we're not saved by faith. Sometimes we get that mixed up. I think it's important the way that it's phrased here. We're not saved by faith that like now, because you've placed your faith in God, that now you deserve that. Even if you repented of sins, you would still have the debt of the sins that you have committed. Yeah. So even one minuscule sin makes it so that you rightfully deserve not to be in the presence of the Lord, which means you rightfully deserve to be in hell. The way you are made right is by Jesus taking your place on the cross, paying for sins, expiating sin, uh, taking on, absorbing, and dealing with the wrath of God in our place. And the Bible seems to communicate um, that the sins of the elect were taken care of past, present, future, all of them. Right. Um, I agree. The sins of many would be the text that I'm thinking of. So then what must men and women do to accept that gift? Now, so we're going to run into an issue here okay. because CJ and I both lean Calvinistics. CJ, like lean? CJ has, <laughs> has built his house on the cornerstone called Calvinism. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, so, what I believe, and this is how I would explain it, and, and this might be something I learned more uh, mid-flight to heaven, but <laughs> that the Bible communicates that we are saved by grace and this gift is extended through faith. And so that there is a responsibility put on man to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Um, yeah, absolutely. Also, we believe that... God has elected some because if none of us will do good, not even one, then we cannot choose Christ. The We can't do the ultimate best good thing if we can't do one good thing. And so how all that works together, that's for another episode. But for the listeners here, how do you become saved? Mm-hmm. You place your faith in what the Bible talks about Jesus doing on the cross in your place to pay the debt that you cannot pay. And we've co- quoted a ton of scripture for it. And so 
if you believe in the authority of Scripture, you've got to be convicted that you need a Savior and that there is one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's a book we had to read for school um, called Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And what we've covered so far is the accomplished, right? Redemption was accomplished through Christ and his work on the cross. And now I think we're kind of moving into the applied, right? So how is what Christ accomplished for us applied to his people? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, a lot of this is can be called like the order of salvation or the process of salvation. Um, and one of the, I think one of the most clear places we can turn to to see that is Romans uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 28. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's right? a wonderful text for this. Wonderful. Yeah. Did you have it also? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I also have one more I want to uh, read. I guess I'll just read it from... Uh, Ew, a paper Bible? From the paper Bible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Instead of the old <laughs> iPad. All right. This is 1 John five thirteen, And this is... We're, we're getting to that point where we got to wrap this up. So let's start thinking concluding thoughts here. Got it. I write these things to you, and this is all about Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. So I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. One of the questions we get a lot, we started this podcast out talking about this, can I know I am saved? Mm-hmm. Now, this is very unrehearsed, right? This whole podcast is, inten- oh, yeah. is, is intended to be like this, but um, I want to make sure and try to get this right. So fill in where where I where I skip too much. Okay. Um, a lot of people, when you ask why don't you think that you are saved, when you have clearly placed your faith in Jesus? Now we have not talked about this. What would you say is the one thing we hear a lot? Why people don't? Why people struggle believing that they're saved? I don't feel saved. Right. Right. So I hear that almost every youth night. In, in, exactly. <laughs> and here's the thing. The good news for you is that uh, it is not by your promise or your feelings that yeah. you are saved. Right. It is by the faithful promises of Jesus Christ that you are saved. Exactly. So when God says, I am faithful and I will always fulfill my promises. And then he says, if you want to be in right standing with me, mm-hmm. I'll come and I'll pay the price. Right. And that's going to be through Jesus Christ. You place your faith, your trust in the work that Christ has done in your place and you repent of your sins and turn to me, you are saved. That's his promise. That's yeah. not your promise. Right. That's that's his promise. It's not your feelings. Yeah. And so you rightfully should feel that you're not saved sometimes because what will creep in is you realize you're not good enough. And the truth is, check this out. You're not going to hear this in progressive Christianity. You're not good enough to be saved. You're only good enough in Christ because it's Christ's works that makes you good enough. Right. Yeah. So when you start questioning whether you're saved or not, most often what's happening inside of you is you begin to think more work-based yeah. salvation, that I am saved by my works. You are not saved by your works. You are saved by the faithful promise of the creator and sustainer of all things, saying that by grace, because of my grace, you can be saved by placing your faith, your trust, and trusting that Jesus Christ is the one way. He did sufficiently pay the debt that I owe. And then on the other side of salvation, there are absolutely works that come as fruit of salvation. Yep. And that is the litmus test that you can take. If you're questioning whether you're saved, trust in the promises and the faithfulness of God. And then look at, does my life reflect one who's been miraculously transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because we do believe that there are people that think they're saved that are not. And so how do you differentiate? Well, one is, do you trust in Jesus Christ? That's one of the things the Bible talks about. Do you trust as your faith in Jesus Christ crucified alone? Alone. It is not that 
Jesus comes and he does what, what you failed in, that you did a lot, but you missed a little bit. It's that you got filthy rags coming to the toll booth for heaven and you don't got what it takes. You don't have anything. There's no acceptable currency that you can bring except for Jesus Christ having his works on the cross imputed into you and your sins imputed into Christ and it being yep. taken care of. And you show up clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Yep. Yeah. And to illustrate the idea um, of God's promises in Christ being what uh, secures our salvation, right? Uh, if I am walking across a street with my daughter, Piper, she's three, and I tell her, like, hey, you need to hold dad's hand as we cross the street because if you run out in the street, you could get hit by a car. There's all kinds of dangerous stuff going on. You've got to hang on to dad. Well, I tell her that every single time, but in reality, it's my grip on her hand that is going to keep her from getting into a dangerous place. Where'd you get that illustration? Say it. I didn't. What do you mean? I made it up. Not a chance. Well, it's not very creative. I'm sure someone else has I said it. I used that in a sermon. I don't think so. Bro, you're <laughs> blowing my mind right now. That was like the best illustration I've ever made up in my life. The one best you ever made up in your life? <laughs> oh my goodness. You're like you're recording. I would have to go find it now. Put it as a oh my patch gosh. In the next podcast. Oh. Anyways, you can claim it. Go ahead. Move oh, on. Let's fine. let's conclude this. We got some good stuff. I here. don't know. Some rinky-dink pastor in a little town once said this. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the point is that as I'm crossing the street, it's not her grip on me, right? That is going to keep her. It's my grip on her. And the same goes um, for God and us. It's his grip on us. Back to Romans Eight, it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Yeah. Like for me, I, and this is the Calvinist in me, right? I can't find assurance outside of Calvinistic soteriology. Sure. I, I know people have it. I, I don't believe that I've been able to find it coherently. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think you can have it. I just, when I get down to the nuts and bolts of things, it starts to fall apart for me outside of this. I go back to Romans 8. Mm -hmm. Romans 8 says that I was predestined mm -hmm. for this. I was predestined. He foreknew me. Um, that can also be translated as like he foreloved me and then predestined me to be conformed to the image of his son. Another thing I go back to is that, and this comes from Calvinistic soteriology, right? That if Christ predestined us from from eternity past he knew who we were and he knew that he was going to sacrifice himself for us that is an incredibly high price to pay for something if you don't know it's for sure right so he's purchasing us with his blood he's purchasing our redemption it's called a ransom in scripture right from the wrath of god I can't imagine him paying that high price and then crossing his fingers and saying, I hope they make it to the end now, mm -hmm. right? He's going to hang on to that thing that he purchased at such a high price. So I, I have like the opposing view that makes sense to me, but I don't want to conclude this way with it, but maybe another podcast entitled predestination. Yeah. What is predestination? Right. Or something like that. Right. Tackle it. So if your ears are perked up right now, look <laughs> for that episode and we'll kind of go through both sides of the Calvinistic soteriology and the Arminian uh, soteriology Yeah, and uh, see, see what those look like. But for now, um, concluding thoughts, CJ, then I'll have a couple concluding thoughts and we'll get out of here probably about 50 minutes. Okay. Um, I think that what would be great is if you take a look at your life, if you're struggling with assurance, wondering if you're saved, and start to go down the list of, are there evidences for my salvation, right? And we talked about the fruits of the spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians talks about the good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you have a renewing of the mind, like Romans 12, like one through three or some, somewhere in there? Um, do you have new desires, right? Is your desire to be obedient to Christ? That's something that you said one time. That is something you said one time <laughs> in a sermon. The evidence of a redeemed person is the desire for obedience. Sure. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Exactly. That really tore me apart one day. Right. And so the the idea of struggling with belief does not necessarily mean the lack of belief. I was just reading mm -hmm. in Mark this morning, um, the, the guy that comes to Jesus and he says, please heal my child. 
And Jesus says, well, you have to have faith. And the guy's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I believe, but help my unbelief. Yep. And Jesus says, wow, like that is faith. Your child is healed. Mm -hmm. Right. So saying, Hey, I'm struggling to believe does not mean you're not saved. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a great case study for that. Yeah. The guy's like, I'm struggling to hang on right now, Jesus. I need you. And it goes back to Ephesians. Faith is a gift. All right. That's all I got. Love it. That's good stuff. I'll just conclude with maybe a little bit more practical application that I think. So if you're listening to this, a um, couple things to protect against. One is that if you're like, well, I'm not a Christian, but uh, I'm really bored when I drive to work. So I listen to C28 um, <laughs> and you're listening to this. Sometimes one of the most deathly things that you can do is to think I'm going to clean myself up before I present myself to Christ. And here's the reality. This is the truth. He already knows you intimately now in all of your ways. So there are churches that say, come as you are. I like it and hate it mm -hmm. because yeah. I don't know what they mean by that. Right. But I would say this. If you're like, I'm in need of a savior based on what just was said, if that's true, I need a savior. I would say, get plugged in to a Bible believing church or, and repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus right now. Because here's the reality. This is the truth. Now listen, you cannot clean yourself up to be presentable to the Lord. The Bible teaches the opposite of that. You can't. So then the listener's sitting there thinking, so I have to come to the Lord like this. The answer is yes. And he will not be like, wait, who is this person? Oh, it's Billy. Ew, gross. This is shocking. Because the reality is he already knows you intimately now. Right now, the way you're seeing now, the things you're doing now, he already knows that. And he hates sin. And there is wrath and there is hell. But he does desire all to come to him. So that would mean that what the Bible teaches and the Lord wants are people like you to come to the Lord right now. Place your faith in Jesus, repent of your sins, and be saved. Amen. Amen. All right, well... As you guys know, we are attempting to do this every two weeks. We'd like to make it more. We hope that this has blessed you in some way, encouraged you in some way. Uh, thank you for listening to C28, and we'll see you guys in following weeks. <laughs>